Hey guys, and welcome to Can We Conversate, a place where we discuss politics, pop culture, and pretty much anything that's on our mind. I'm Tamika. I'm Leah. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Bye! What's up, guys? So on this week's episode of Can We Conversate, we're going to do something a little bit different. If many of you who remember who listened to the backstory, um, you may remember that I discussed about, you know, my vision and what, you know, how Can We Conversate was birthed and how I wanted it as an opportunity for me to, you know, get some things off of my chest, talk about different things and how I wanted to have a safe space for Talia to kind of discuss some things that were on her mind. So she approached me um, with the idea of doing something special for Black History Month, where she wanted us to kind of highlight some prominent African-Americans who made um, great contributions to um, our history that aren't necessarily mainstream. So I kind of thought I saw this as a great opportunity for her to kind of take ownership of the podcast, you know, in her own way. So Talia, who is the first person we're going to talk about and why was it important for us to do something special for Black History Month? So the person we're going to be talking about this week is Lincoln Hughes. Um, The reason I wanted to do this whole thing was because I had just got done my project for Langston Hills because we were learning about the 1920s and the um, Harlem Renaissance, and I really wanted to do, um, I wanted to do a part, a recording about him, and then we came up with about doing somebody for a week, and so basically he was just very interesting to me because he was an American poet. He wrote how what he saw and about how he felt which I feel like is very cool. So give us some things that you learned about Langston Hughes while you were doing your project. Um, Langston Hughes was born on February 1st, 19. It's either, people really don't know, it's either 1901 to 1902. Mm -hmm. And his full name was James Mercer Langston Hughes. It's a long name, I know. Um, But... Um, his parents soon separated after he was born. His mom and his grandmother basically raised him most of his life. But sadly, his grandmother passed away, and his mother and him moved a half a dozen cities to Cleveland. And at the age of seventeen, he wrote his first poem, which was "The Negroes Speak of the River." And I haven't read that poem yet, but I feel like I need to because. It's just like his first poem, and I thought that was really cool that he wrote his poem at 17, right out of um, high school, I mean. Okay, so um, I didn't let Talia do all of the research by herself. So um, I was looking into um, some of Langston's um, background, and I noticed that in 1930, um, his first novel, Not Without Laughter, won a Harmon Gold Medal for Literature. Um, and I had never heard of the Harmon Gold Medal. So I was wondering what that was. So the Harmon Gold Medal was um, created in 1926 by William E. Harmon. 
Um, and it was basically an award where they looked at achievements in eight different fields, literature, music, fine arts, business and industry, science and innovation, education, religious studies and race relations. And basically what they did was looked at those different, looked at those eight fields and found the most prominent um, African-Americans at the time in their field. And it kind of reminds me of the Nobel Peace Prize that we have today, which we had it. It was back then, too, in the 20s as well. But it kind of reminded me that way their main focus were was on the works of African-Americans in those um, different fields. So what was something else that you found interesting in your research on Langston Hughes? Um, one of the things I also found interesting, he he never got married at all. He never had kids. He He never got married. Um, when he visited New York, I think he, this is the first time he visited New York for the first time. He was walking around the city and he ended himself up in Harlem and he called Harlem the great dark city, which I felt like was very neat. I guess because when I read it, I was like, oh, he must have toured it at night. Like the building must have been lit up or it must have been quiet. And... He called it the Great Dark City. Okay. Um, anything else you found interesting um, about Langston Hughes while you was doing his stuff? Um. So, at the age of sixty four, he was pronounced with lung cancer. He also died. He died on May twenty second. May twenty second. But you gotta look. You gotta look for the look for the day. No. Somebody is not prepared no i am prepared i am greatly prepared mm, but you be looking for it no or not okay he was <laughs> he was me he died on may 22nd 1967 and what i thought was also really cool was they they he was cremated he wasn't buried he was cremated but you can technically say he was buried they put him under a floorboard in a museum under one of his poems, which I thought was really cool. So his ashes are in a museum, which I feel like is really neat. That is kind of cool. So let me ask you this. Why do you think um, it's important for us to talk about um, people like Langston Hughes doing um, Black History Month? So um, more African-American kids can learn about their history because in the school, they really don't talk about a lot of African-American people. The most people they probably talk about is Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, and Harriet Tubman. Not saying that they're not important, but I feel like we also need to talk about people like Langston Hughes and Michael Max and a whole bunch of other people that people really don't know about. Yeah, I think it's important um, as well that we give um, full um, view of our history and um, people who may who contributed greatly um, to um, society and to um, not just African-American history, but um, American history and world history, um, frankly, as a whole. Um, That's why I think doing this podcast and kind of doing this series for this month, focusing on um, African-Americans, people who are not as prominent. It kind of gives us an opportunity to learn about people that maybe we're not that familiar with, but also gives us an opportunity to introduce some of our listeners to maybe some people that they're, they haven't heard of or they're not familiar with. 
Also, I feel like people should learn about a lot more um, African-Americans because a lot of them are very interesting, especially like Michael Meigs. I'm very, I'm very curious to wonder. They want to talk about my Lucy King Jr. Why they're not talking about Michael Meigs because he was also a person who was in the, who was in the civil rights movement and he wasn't like Dr. King where he was very peaceful. He felt like we needed to give them a little push to show them that, hey, we're not scared. We're not scared of y'all. We need to, like, stand up and do what's right. My mother was King Jr. He wanted to do pieces. He wanted to do marches. He wanted to do all these things but not have violence. They were both right, but they both had different views at it. Yeah, and you're right. It's kind of um, when you compare and contrast Dr. King and Malcolm X, um, like you said, what they wanted, the end results were the same. How to get there, they differed in how they get there. And it's pretty much, it's, it's, it's like us today. African-Americans, and a lot of people um, get this confused with, uh, especially people of color, color and minorities, of that we're monolithic, which means we think the same. And that's not the case. We all have different views and we see things differently. And we we sometimes agree on the end goal. Sometimes we don't. Um, but most of the time we agree on the end goal. Just how to get there is where we differ. Because like you compare Dr. King and Malcolm X, you also could compare Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois. They both were um, instrumental during their time period. Booker T. Washington, of course, um, was the founder of Tuskegee University here in Alabama. Um, but he saw a way, a path for African-Americans to better themselves um, after slavery as with education, but doing it through the trades and doing things with your hands, which we're, we were accustomed to coming off the plantation, whereas um, W.E.B. Du Bois was also concerned and looked, viewed education as important, but he viewed it more as the liberal way of liberal studies and your liberal studies where you weren't necessarily using your hand. You were, it was more a mind thing, which not saying that using your hands isn't a mind thing, but they both had the same desire to see us as a people advance, but they just saw it in different ways of how to get us there. And which is fine. Like you said, you know, it's okay to not think like everybody else and to do things the way that everybody else does it, because you have to form your own identity and your own way um, of doing things. Um, I also want to mention that um, I feel like all races, not just um, African American, all races should learn about African history because African history is American history. I feel like they do. We do need to learn about it. And people, and then there's some people that that don't want their don't want their children learning about Black history. But you also got to think about, you're just thinking about your children. What about other people's children? We go to the same school. You got to think about that. And then with slavery, when we used to talk about it, everybody would look at me because in fifth grade, I was the only black girl in our class. And I felt very uncomfortable because I wasn't in, like, my ancestors dealt through that, but I don't have to go through that. And also, students need to learn how to properly... I don't know. Oh, my God. 
how to properly adjust themselves around other races because I feel like when we talk about slavery, all the eyes go to all the black kids or all the kids that have color on their skin. They all Their eyes always turn to us. When I feel like it didn't happen to us, it happened to our ancestors, but we didn't go through that. Yeah, and I understand what you're saying. And, and like you said, it is important for everybody to learn history. Um, and what's going around now, which is coming, you know, mainstream, which is, you know, alarming for us as parents, is the whitewashing of history. And like you stated, um, African-American history is American history. In every important and pivotal moment in American history, there was an African-American there that contributed. Our history is woven into the fabric um, of America. And it's important, and like you said, that a lot of times, especially now what people are saying is that um, white people in particular, that um, this whole critical race theory is that they want to change and whitewash history because they don't want their kids to feel the burden and the the shame of the things that their ancestors did. And nobody is looking at a 10-year-old in 2023 and blaming them for what their ancestors did in the 1800s because it's unreasonable and it doesn't make sense. It's because strange. like it's like why would you worry about that because that's their ancestors. You can't change the past their ancestors did it and we can help we can fix that by you doing that is actually kind of making it worse yeah and which and like you say you can't focus on the past because you can't fix it what you can do is learn from it see look at the things that they did see that that wasn't right and this is what we need to do going forward we need to be better than they were and trying to make it seem like it didn't happen doesn't make it go away um, that's why I feel like it's important for us as parents to not rely on the education system to educate you guys on our history. It's our job to do it, to teach you, you know, and introduce you to facts and to people that you maybe never heard of. Because I didn't learn a lot of stuff about African-Americans in school going here i didn't learn anything about booker t washington i'm from alabama we took alabama history booker t washington created tuskegee here in alabama i didn't learn about booker t washington until i got to college and took african-american studies so it i'm happy and i'm proud that you have the desire at your age now to want to learn these things and take it upon yourself even though with a little encouragement from me and your daddy so when you have projects to that you try to find an African-American in that time period or yeah, in that time period that you can learn something about. And in the process of that, you can teach your classmates about that something that they might not necessarily learn in the classroom, but from you doing your report or your presentation, you can introduce them to something that they never heard of or never experienced. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Or I didn't know that person did that. And that that entices their curiosity to want to like, hey, let me do some more, you know, let me do some research or let me look into that and find out some more things about that. Um, why are you bringing up Tuskegee? We were talking about George Washington Carver and I knew a lot about him. So I was talking in class 
about him. And I was telling Miss Smith how I wanted to go. Favorite teacher, anyway. <laughs> Miss Smith. Um, she, I was telling her how I wanted to go to um, Tuskegee. And she was like, do you know what HBCU is? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's a historical black college. And a girl sitting next to me, she was like, I want to go there, but is it an only college for black people? I'm like, no, people who founded the college are black, but everybody can go there. Well, that's not necessarily true. Historically, black colleges, all of them weren't necessarily um, created by black people there are a few like um bethune cookman college down in daytona florida it was founded by a black woman but there were a lot of um hbcus that were actually founded by white people um i want to say it's quakers don't quote me on that i didn't do my research um i feel bad y'all so don't quote me on that if i'm not mistaken it was quakers who saw the opportunity to educate freely um, newly free slaves to teach them, you know, how to read and to educate them, to prepare them for this new world that they were going into. So it wasn't all HBCUs weren't necessarily, um, founded by black people, but go ahead. And a lot of kids that I like come by, I like try to find myself in the group because you have the African-Americans and then you have the white people. And I try to figure out because there's some things that kids do that are black and I don't want to. And I'm like, that's not the stuff I do. And then you have the white kids and then there's stuff that they do that I don't do. So I try to find myself or trying to balance that out by having a mixture of friends being in the mix of stuff. Okay, so like you said, it's um important that you find you find what works for you. I don't want you to be trying to fit in with everybody. Just do you. Be Talia. Um even with your white friends, your black friends, whatever friends. You know, just try to find you the the safe space and the comfortable space where you're being authentic and true to yourself and also doing the things that me and your daddy have taught you to do yeah because a lot of my friends because most of my friends they're hilarious and i love funny people and i have like my calm friends which is like my best friend cynthia she's calm and then i have my best friend cadence which is the complete my actually yeah my friend cadence and millie they are the complete opposite they are crazy they are funny and they are wild and that is like my personality split into because i like funny people and i like being funny and weird and then i have cynthia which is like my calm side my funny but calm side and then i have my funny hilarious side which i love having my friends like that because i have a lot of friends that are actually funny and like wild which is charlie parent I won't get you just said his whole name on the podcast oh shoot Maybe Charlie don't want to be famous. He ain't going to be famous. I miss. So, um, <laughs> what else you got for um, this episode? Um, I just wanted to say, all overall, Langston Hughes was an, actually a very interesting person. He is, like, a very good poet, because I have read some of his poems. He's, he's a very good poet. And he just he writes what he sees, which I feel like is very good. Yeah, he was really good at um, articulating what he saw in in the world. And he was able to give us a good, clear picture of the things that he experienced um, in without his work. Without even seeing it. Yeah, without us seeing it. It's like when you read his work, 
it's like you were they, taken to um, transported to the area during the time that he wrote the poem. So um, to finish out um, this week's episode, I wanted to read uh, one of his poems that um, I really enjoyed. It's called Let America Be um, America Again. Um, so here we go. Let America be America again. Let it be the dream it used to be. Let it be the pioneer on the plane seeking a home where he himself is free. America never was America to me. Let America be the dream the dreamers dreamed. Let it be the great strong land of love where never kings convene nor tyrants scheme that any man be crushed by one above. It never was America to me. Oh, let my land be a land where liberty is crowned with no false patriot reef, but opportunity is real and life is free. Equality is the air we breathe. There, there never, there's never been equality for me, nor freedom in this homeland of the free. Say, who are you that mumbles in the dark? And who are you that draws your veil across the stars? I am the poor white, fooled and pushed apart. I am the Negro bearing slavery scars. I am the red man driven from the land. I, I am the immigrant clutching the hope I seek. And finally, only the same old stupid plan of dog eat dog of mighty crush the weak. I'm the young man full of strength and hope tangled in that ancient endless chain of profit, power, gain of grab the land of grab the goal of grab the ways of satisfying need of work. The men of take the pay of owning everything from one's own greed. I am the farmer bondsman to soil. I am the workers worker sold to the machine. I am the Negro servant to you all. I am the people humble, hungry, mean, hungry yet today, despise the dream. Beating yet, beaten yet today, oh pioneers. I am the man who never got ahead, the poorest worker battered through the years. Yet I'm the one who dreamt our basic dream in the old world while still a, a, stuff, a stuff of kings, who dreamt a dream so strong, so brave, so true, that even yet its mighty daring song sings in every brick and stone, in every follow turn. That's made America the land it has become. Oh, I'm the man who sailed those early seas in search of what I meant to be, what meant to what I meant to be my home. From I'm the one who left dark Ireland's shores and Poland's plains and England's grassy leer and tore from black Africa's strand. I came to build a homeland of the free, the free who said the free, not me. Surely not me. The millions own relief today. The millions shot down when we strike. The millions who have nothing for our pay. For all the dreams we've dreamt, we dreamed. All the songs we sung. All the hopes we've had. All the flags we flung. The millions who have nothing for our pay. Except the dreams that almost died today. Oh, let America be America again. The land that never has been yet. And yet must be the land where every man is free. The land that's mine, the poor man's Indians, Negro, me, 
who made America, whose sweat and blood, whose faith and pain, whose hands at the foundry, whose plow, who plow in the rain must bring back a mighty dream again. Sure, call me an ugly name you choose. The steel of freedom does not stain. From those who live like leeches on the people's lives, we must take back our land again, America. Oh, yes, I say it plain. America never was America to me. And yet I swear this oath, America will be. Out of the rack and ruin of our gangster death, the rape and rot of gruff and stealth and lies, we, the people, must redeem. The land, the mines, the plant, the rivers, the mountains and the endless plain, all, all the stretch of these great green states and make America again. So guys, that's the end of our episode for this week. Um, hit us up on social media. Let us think, let us know what you thought about the, the podcast, um, this week, um, engage with us. Um, I love to hear from you guys and have some interaction. Tell us where we, where we did good, where we didn't, so we can get better and provide you guys. I'm um, a podcast that you love. So until next time, can we conversate?